Hi, Maggie. Hello, Freya. Welcome. Thank you. How you doing? What's new? Hmm. 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 What are you noticing? I felt, you, mm -hmm. yeah, if, if I'm being honest and vulnerable, I felt a little, um, maybe a little unsafe on the call today. It's just oh. felt like an emotional week. Yeah. Um, yeah. And what's coming up for me right now is, is the um, labels that others might have, how to, how to navigate when other people have judgments and um, opinions and labels of what you are. Mm. And if that doesn't feel like who I am and how to be with that. Mm -hmm. So let's right out of the gate. Let's claim safety. Okay. Okay. You claim your safety. This is your sacred space. Um, and we anchor into safety now. Okay. Um, the first thing that comes to me to clarify is that you are wise woman. Anything, any label, any name, any identity, any social construct that is not wise woman, not your true self, not your authentic self, not your divine self, is a story. It's an identity, it's a role that has been cast to play you in the narrative that you were born into. And let me assure you and me and all of us that we are, we are each born into a story and it lives us. We, we live as it unconsciously until we begin to wake up to our wise woman self. So all those names, all those ideas, they're characters on the stage where your story plays out. None of it's you. And that's where we self-correct. It's like, whoa, you came to live that part and give it back to Holy Mother Divine. Mm. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. So to identify with any, any of it is, is the place to self-correct. It's because there's an attachment there, right? There's an attachment. Yeah. Um, and the attachment comes from the smaller self. But wise woman has got this grand view, this purview that sees the story, knows the story, and knows that you are playing the part in the story. But you came to play the part in order to heal it and bring it back into the light. Yeah. Is that making any sense? Yeah, it does. So one of the characters that I have identified through my own internal investigation has been the patriarchal daughter. And the patriarchal daughter has 
a lot of constellated identities. Um, the overextended caregiver is part of the patriarchal daughter. The wounded girl, the abandoned girl is part of the patriarchal daughter. You get where I'm going here? You with mm -hmm. me? Yeah. Yeah. So we mustn't attach, we mustn't believe that that's who we are. It's not, that's a role that we, I mean, we were born into the patriarchy. We couldn't avoid becoming a patriarchal daughter. But the moment we wake up to that, we start to sense that, oh, if I'm not her, then who am I? And that's where I want you to go next. If I'm not the abandoned girl, then who am I? If I'm not the overextended caregiver, then who am I? So if, <clears throat> if um, how, how is it best to navigate a close relationship mm -hmm. in this, with these ideas? Yeah, and idea, ideas, that's the key word. These are all ideas. So in relationship, these characters <clears throat> live through the couple. Let's say we're talking about a, a couple relationship or a parent-child relationship. There is an unconscious story that will want to live through you. Our work is to be able to name the story, to get to know the characters in the story so that you can bring those characters, those identities back into the light through true love. Because if two people are in relationship and they're consciously choosing to be in that relationship, there's going to be work to do in the relationship. And the work is to become conscious of the unconscious story that's trying to write them. W-R-I-T-E. <laughs> Did that answer your question? Sort of. Yeah. I, th Boy, I we... think I want to maybe understand it a bit better. Okay. You know, this. it feels like we're kind of on the leading edge of some of this. I mean, I write about this in my own work and these stories will one day find their readers. Um, but I just realized that you and I are, we're talking about this differently than we have in the past, aren't we? Yeah. Yep. I think we're breaking new ground here, Freya. Um, and I guess that's, why we're doing this thing called the podcast. It's the rise of the wise woman. Okay. So <laughs> there's, there's another level of curriculum showing up here. Um, to ground it, maybe what we need to do is ask you, is there something, is there something specific that you're noticing um, that we can speak to, to kind of un- unpack it, unravel it, rather than me just telling the stories of the patriarchal daughter, although that might be useful too in another, in some way. Um, I, I have been hearing from my partner a lot that I'm 
that I'm selfish, that he thinks that I'm selfish. And he, in a ar- argument this week, he called me a narcissist. Oh. And it really, it's really caused a lot of pain that I feel. Yeah. And yeah. I feel, I told him that um, I'm not going to change his mind about how he wants to see me if that's how he wants to see me because it feels exhausting I know that I'm not that and I know that we all have our wounds and um that um it just it just felt it feels very cutting and I and I feel a bit see I don't feel like I'm my wise woman if I'm saying things like I feel trapped by his label because I'm not I'm not that I I know who I am okay Um, so let's work with this though this this we can work with okay yeah so let's say okay so so your beloved says to you now I'm going to give Rick the benefit of the doubt here and say that he doesn't mean that you are selfish, but that you are acting selfishly or you're acting like a narcissist, okay? In his, in his eyes. Yeah. In his so experience. in his experience, yeah. Yeah. And that's in that moment when a beloved, someone that you trust and know and that's dear to your heart, gives you feedback you have to be willing in that moment to consider it you have to be willing to receive it and you will know whether or not it's true now at at one level you know that it's not in your wise woman self it's not true we know that but you may be playing the role of a character that has blinders on that requires her beloved to shine the light on some aspect of her that she's unwilling or unable to see because that's the gift of relationship. Yes. Okay. Now, if it's a projection then you can feel if it's a projection. You can feel that it's the other person's projected self onto you, something they can't own within themselves, so they project it onto you. And that feels quite different. But this feels like it really, it struck something for you. So we got to go there. we got to trust it. Because we trust your beloved man. We trust that the two of you consciously have come together in relationship and something might be unraveling here. So we we gotta go with it. Are you with me? Yes. Yeah. So if the patriarchal daughter, let's call her the patriarchal daughter, if she has a narcissistic, component to her what might that be 
Now remember we're talking about the character. This isn't you personally, but it may be a character that you have come to play through. <clears throat> what would she be? Or what? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just for a moment, trust your beloved man and go, wait a minute. If there is a narcissist in me, what does she sound like? What does she look like? How do I experience her? What comes up for you, if anything? Um, that she demands something relentlessly. Okay. And what does she, she demands that relentlessly from what place within her? A wounded, abandoned place. Yeah. So you can, that's a constricted place, right? Mm -hmm. it's, and the narcissist can't see. I don't think narcissist is the right word that we want to be using here. I think it's closer to the abandoned girl. I think that's one aspect of the patriarchal daughter that we're dealing with. I certainly know the abandoned girl. Okay. Mm -hmm. So she relentlessly, what did you say? Demands. Mm -hmm. What other qualities or what else do you notice about her? What is she feeling when she gets in demand mode? Um, What's driving that? The feeling of being unloved. Yeah. Anything else? How does demanding something ensure that she will be loved? doesn't really yeah but you slipped into your wise woman <laughs> <laughs> you see it's like you can see through it you can see through it it doesn't really so let's change the question um, what does she think it will get her if, if demanding might get her love what much what must she believe about herself to think that that's that's possible how does demanding ensure that she'll be loved i'm not sure that i can get there yeah i i just know that it kind of started with a feeling of um with a feeling of i I haven't felt loved by this person. And so there was a, like a, hey, you haven't loved on me today. So which was coming from a yeah. wounded place. Got it. Very good. So the moment, the moment we go to another, hey, you haven't loved on me today. That's an indication that we are looking to source our connection to wise woman from outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. You see that? 
we are entitled to nobody else's love. That's a strong statement to say, but it's, it's the truth. We're not entitled to have somebody else's love. We, I know we live in a society that has taught us a lot of things about relationship and asking for things and needing certain things. And that's, you're opening yourself to a whole other different level of work, Freya. So none of that stuff is going to uh, fulfill you anymore. Okay. So when you imagine needing to ask your lover to love on you because you're not feeling it, are you coming from an empowered place or disempowered place? Disempowered. Yeah, it doesn't feel good, does it? Not at all. Not at all. And so from that place of disempowerment and being completely disconnected from your wise woman self, the outcome can't be good. Think about yeah. that. There is nothing that that other person can possibly bring you that's going to fill you up. Because what you're most longing for is connection with your deeper self. Yeah. You see, you're at a critical point here. You're, you're actually turning a corner in this moment when you realize that nobody outside of you can ever give you what you're looking for, ever. That en masse is what womanhood has got to get. <laughs> there's nothing in our society, in our culture, there's nothing outside of us that anyone can give us in order for us to know our own power. This is about traversing our inner world. So you go to your lover, you say, you haven't loved on me today. I, I need some love. I imagine his response is going to be, um, not feeling it. Yeah, he got defensive that um, <clears throat> he was being told that he hasn't done something. Okay. So now... And I've got an inside track here because I know a little bit about you and Rick, okay? Yeah. And we're going to introduce the archetype that's showing up in my writing these days, Dark Mother, okay? Mm -hmm. So when you show up as the abandoned girl, chances are you're going to communicate with the wounded boy in him. Yeah. And even though we're calling your character the abandoned girl, from his perspective, he's dealing with dark mother because his wounded boy archetype has had the experience of needing to meet her demands. Now, we're not talking about his actual human mother who may have played that role, but his experience of needing 
what did you say he felt like defensive he felt defensive because he was being asked he was just it was like he was being told he didn't do something yeah so when you hear that from him now as wise woman what do you hear as as my wise woman yeah it was, it came from a place that, like you said, was coming from a wounded place, which triggered his wounded place. Yes. Um, so the, even if the empowered woman in you was looking to get her man to love on her, and if she shows up as the abandoned girl, the only thing the abandoned girl can attract is the wounded boy or any other kind of character that's going to meet her in her wound, like the controlling father, maybe, or the dark mother. I mean, there's a whole cast of characters. Mm -hmm. Okay. But if you, it's like the energies reversed. Let's see if I can explain this. If you're in your wise woman self, you're not coming to your man from a place of need. You're actually calling him in from the magnetic force of being so full of yourself that he's magnetically attracted to you. Because the strong feminine draws the strong masculine to her. She doesn't need to go and get him. She doesn't need to go and say, hey, I, I, you know, you haven't been loving on me tonight or today or whatever. It, that energy is reversed. That's coming from the wound. When you're full of yourself, you draw him in like a magnet. That's the strong feminine. Yeah. Okay. So can you see how the energy is reversed when you're acting from the abandoned girl? archetype or role yeah yeah so the that. only way to change the outcome of this story is to come back into yourself and stop playing the part but to do that you have to not take it personally see the part of you that might not feel safe is that abandoned girl yeah yeah so your, your own wise woman self, which is me now in this conversation, I'm playing that role for you. Your wise woman self needs to reassure you that you can claim your safety. You can come into your full power. You can remember who you are. You can know that your lover loves you. You can know that you'll never abandon yourself sure you may have had that experience but it's it's in the past and it's time to move beyond your past how do you feel is this landing it's definitely landing it's complex yeah. territory freya yeah. it really is but i think this is the conversation 
that women need to be having. This is, this is the real juice of our inner world. This is our psychic battleground right here. So it's never about the other person in the relationship. It's always an opportunity to wake up to another layer of self-honesty and empowerment within ourselves. So we can't take things personally. We've got to get impersonal. And that's why when I work with couples, I work with you separately. Because I've got to get to know what the unconscious story is that's trying to live through you. And then when I can name those characters and you can realize that you're not the character that's playing you, then we can change the dynamic of the relationship. Because consciously when you show up, there's great love in your couple. But when the unconscious story takes over, you're lost to yourselves mm -hmm. because you're no longer, it's like Rick and Freya have left the room. And now we have the wounded boy and we have dark mother and we have abandoned girl and we might have a whole chorus of voices playing out this unconscious story that, by the way, is not just yours. It's, it's playing through the human psyche. We are one psyche, one mind. And that's why if I know these characters and if I know these storylines, then I can help guide you through them because they've played me too. They don't just belong to you. Doesn't that help to know that? It does. Because this is big work. I, I understand all the things and it feels like it, it resonates with me. And I still seem to have that little niggling question about how, how to relate with him after mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. these words. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness. Forgiveness, forgiveness. And forgiveness simply means... I'm not going to burden myself with the unconscious story. I have to see through the characters that we're playing and realize that, wow, we're in this dialogue together and that's worth something. And yeah. How, how would you, how would you reframe or be able to frame, um, I, f I feel that there might be a lot of judgment between us and yeah. that feels difficult to navigate also. And it's outside of this one experience that we had. It, mm -hmm. it feels like there's a lot of, if I speak from myself or my point of view, mm -hmm. I do feel judged often. Mm-hmm and not in a good way and then i think if this is what you think about me okay so let's let's go let's rewind first so judgment is a tool of fear we only judge what we fear 
Okay. Mm. So that's the principle we've got to stand on here. The next thing I want to say is the moment you feel judged, you've got to realize that that's your energy. Just come back. It's like, wait a minute, I'm feeling judged, which means I'm in the room with fear. Now, if I'm in the room with my beloved Rick, and I know consciously we're in this together, and I know consciously there's a commitment here that we have to each other, then I, in this moment of being grabbed by fear and feeling judged, can look to him and say, is it your intention to judge me? Because I'm feeling judged. And I take full ownership of the fact that that's my energy that I'm experiencing. Because if there wasn't judgment in me, I could not feel judged. So you go to his intention, call it out. Is it your intention to judge me? And if he says no, you've got to believe him. Even though you're in this unconscious fear, You've got to be able to see through it and see him and go, oh yeah, there's that guy that I trust and that stands by me. And he's saying it's not his intention to judge me. I've got to go with that in order to pull myself out of this muck. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's like your conscious connection has to get stronger than the unconscious fear. Hmm. So you get to choose, am I going to align with the fear or am I going to trust the love that's in the room? Now for a moment, imagine when you're in that place of feeling judged. And if that's a tool of fear, which it is, what might your greatest fear be in that moment? You asking me? Yeah. What would my greatest fear be in that moment? Yeah, just see if you of can... Feeling fe judged? Yeah, that moment when you feel the pain of being judged, what's fear saying to you? See if you can that, really go there right now. That I don't deserve anything good if I'm not a good person. Yeah. What else does it say? Really deconstruct this. I'm worthless. I'm toxic. I'm not I'm good enough. Yes. I don't believe to exist. I yes. don't believe I'm good enough to be existing. Yes. Yeah. That's it. That's the dark labyrinth right there. But if you allow yourself to see that and see that it's a big fat lie. Now, we're not going to ever dismiss the fact that an earlier version of you may have had that experience. 
but it's not relevant now because I know for a fact that you're with a man who doesn't think any of those things about you. And you called him in, which means he's a match for that within you that knows you are worthy. And you are good. And you are lovable. See, that's the real work. How do you allow yourself to anchor into the truth? And that's where wise woman meets you. She's holding that space for you. Did that that's make helpful. sense? Yeah? Yeah. Can you feel the shift? Can you feel anything different? Yeah. So in those moments, if you can really reflect in and ask yourself, wait a minute, what, what do I fear right now? Because in that moment, there's this fear of being annihilated, of becoming nothing, right? Mm -hmm. But that's the big lie. That's the lie that will keep you disempowered. And that's what you must stare at. That's what you must confront and say, mm -mm. get behind me. Okay. I'm moving beyond all that I've known. But it takes the trust that you've built with your lover. It, it takes your willingness to trust that more than the fear that's talking to you from within you. That's what will shift it. So you don't question the man, you question the, the voice within yourself. This is big work. This is a big ask. But you're here. You're ready. You've earned your right to grow beyond this story that's been living you unconsciously um, along with millions of women. Mm -hmm. This is our work. This is the anatomy of the work that we must do to become fully empowered women. It helps when you share that because sometimes my dark thoughts go to, I'm probably the only one struggling mm -hmm. with this and that mm -hmm. I yep. can't believe I'm all the way back here. Yeah. Still. But again, that's a function of fear and that's what would keep us in the pattern. See the pattern doesn't, that dynamic in our psychic field doesn't want to let us go. And yet, when we bring it into the, the light of love, it does, it, it does get annihilated. <laughs> it does, it, it has to leave itself. It has to come fully into the light. And that's where the tension is. But get really big for a moment. You as a soul, before you incarnated, agreed you said, yep, I'm going down into earth school and I'm going to live that storyline of the abandoned girl. 
I want to live that. It's going to really be hard, but I'm a mighty woman and I'm going to remember who I am. And when I remember who I am in that storyline, I'm going to bring it back into the light. I'm going to love it back to its source. And as I do that, doors and windows will open for all my ascendants and descendants. All my ancestors and my descendants. So you agreed to come and have this experience. And the fact that you're having this conversation with me indicates that you committed. You're here in this conversation with me, even though at the beginning, a big part of you was thinking, oh God, am I safe? Mm -hmm. But I, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you trust me and the work that we've done over the years enough to show up anyway. Yeah. So you see that part of you stronger than the part that would say, am I safe? I've earned your trust and I don't take that lightly. This is the work. And this is the value of having this sacred container, this alchemical space where you get to do the work of your soul. Oh God, there's nothing better than this. Hmm. How do you feel? Um, I feel lighter and I, ha I feel I have more clarity and uh, yeah i'm really grateful that we had this conversation well god has blessed you a million times for showing up because here you are now how do you feel about your beloved rick when you bring him into your mind's eye now is there any part of you that's holding on that's not feeling fully present with him i need to feel the forgiveness yeah so forgiveness is a process and it's mighty work but realize that forgiveness is for you not for him and if i was talking to him i'd say it was for him and not for you <laughs> because forgiveness is a radical act of self-love hear that it's a radical act of self-love it's you saying okay i'm no longer going to burden myself with this event this conversation this whatever happened between us whatever transpired i'm not going to carry it i'm coming into the present moment i am free i am clear and i'm moving beyond all that we've known I'm no longer going to drag my energy behind me because I'm still plugged into something that happened a week ago or two years ago or whatever. That's forgiveness. It's like I'm over the emotional junk of whatever this was. That's forgiveness. Mm. It's all about you. But we project it onto the other. I remember 
in one of Eckhart Tolle's books, he tells the story of two swans or two ducks, I don't know, getting into fisticuffs. I don't know if ducks and swans get into arguments, but there was some kind of kerfluffle. And he made the point that, you know, they swim in opposite directions and shake it all off and then they go on their way. <laughs> yeah. You have a dog. What does Koa do when, you know, she's had some stress? When there's been, I mean, I watch our dog Dante, if he's, he's been stressed out by a firecracker or, a, a, you know, something that's, that stressed him, when he moves beyond it, he shakes, he shakes it off. Mm -hmm. He does. So shake it off. There's, I don't know if you've ever heard of shaking meditation, have you? No, but I've, I've been doing this workout called the class yeah. and we, I did it today. And in most of the classes that we do, you do a shake, like yeah. they guide you through just shaking your whole body, like you're a bowl of jello. Yeah. Pretty cool. It's a really nice one that Deva Premel and Mitten do. And they're such beautiful lovers. And I'm going to send it to you and Rick. And I'm going to suggest that you trust Maggie and you show up together and do this shaking meditation and just shake it off. Life is too short to be dragging the past into your present now. I always ask myself, I don't need to anymore, but I did in the beginning, I would always say to myself, if this was my last day on planet earth, have I left anything unsaid or undone with any other human being? Because what if I don't come back tomorrow? Am I clear? Mm. I like that. Do you? Mm -hmm. It kind of gets, gets us real, doesn't it? resonate with it a lot because after losing my mom at yes. a young age that's my usually my default way yeah and some of that is showing up here okay and that's i took a risk in saying it that way but you received it death teaches us let it remind you because you have learned great lessons from death and i dare say that's part of the experience of the abandoned girl right mm -hmm. yeah so if this were your last moment is there anything that you would want to say to your beloved rick is there anything that would need to be done before you could be clear. Don't carry when this you, any longer. Yeah. Yeah. When you pose it like that, it just kind of leaves my body. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Let it go. Now, could you, you're anchored into safety. You can feel it, can't you? Mm -hmm. You're home. 
This is always available to you. It's always within you, this wise woman zone. Thank you. Oh, Freya, it's <laughs> my deepest privilege. There's so much to say here, but perhaps we've said enough. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything that we left untethered for you or does it feel complete? It feels very complete to me. Oh, I give you the biggest, warmest, most lovingest hug. Thank you. Mm, I see you. I know you. You're a mighty, mighty woman doing mighty work. And you've called in people who love you and who hold the space for you. And grow yourself into it. Step into it fully. You have much to teach and you have much to give. Well done. Thank you, Maggie. Mm. My pleasure. You're welcome. Till I'm next gonna, week. Till next week. And you're <laughs> going to do a shaking meditation. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So much love to you and Rick. You too. Have a good night. You too. Peace out. Bye. Good night.